Hello, everyone, and welcome to the May 14 edition of the WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd, Skarin, Manukian, Langevin. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The California Department of Insurance reached a $1.875 million settlement with Valiant Pharmaceuticals arising out of its relationship with Fildor RX Services and claims for reimbursement submitted to California insurers. Valiant is a pharmaceutical manufacturer headquartered in Canada with its principal place of business in New Jersey. Officials allege that the state of California has civil causes of action against the company pursuant to the California Insurance Frauds Prevention Act, which Valiant denied. The claim said that Valiant had a sales plan known as the Fildor Strategy to use the mail-order pharmacy and increase the volume of shipments for two of its drugs, Saldin and Jublia. The pharmacy's aggressive sales and marketing tactics all but completely supported growth in two of the drugs. Key to Fildor's approach was virtually giving away millions of dollars worth of drugs and making sure that insurers and middlemen who approved insurance payments were getting fat rebates. And the Fildor strategy drove increases for both brands. And federal prosecutors started a criminal trial on May 3rd against an ex-Valiant executive, which provides even more details. Prosecutors told jurors a former Valiant executive and the former head of the mail-order pharmacy, Fildor, defrauded Valiant through a multi-million dollar kickback scheme. Prosecutors allege that Valiant was the victim of the scheme. 30 California counties are suing pharmaceutical companies for not disclosing key information about the opioids they produce and how destructive opioid use can be. The lawsuits go after manufacturers claiming their misinformation downplayed how addictive opiates can be and distributors for failing to report, monitor, and identify suspicious opioid shipments to pharmacies. The law firm of Barron and Budd is representing these 30 counties and is also representing the cities of Louisville, Cincinnati, and Birmingham, among other counties and municipalities. The 30 California counties have organized through the California Opioid Consortium and represent the interests of about 10.5 million California residents. Each of the 30 California counties are filing their own suit in federal court and expect their cases to be transferred into the multi-district litigation, which is being overseen by a U.S. district judge in the Northern District of Ohio. To date, more than 500 public entities have filed similar suits around the country. The California Opioid Consortium and its counsels say they have developed evidence that many of the nation's largest drug manufacturers misinform doctors about the addictiveness and efficacy of the opioids. The firm of Barron and Bud serves as lead counsel to approximately 80% of the municipalities that have filed suit against pharmaceutical distributors for opioid-related cases. U.S. attorneys filed a civil complaint in the Central District of California against California Stem Cell Treatment Center Incorporated of Rancho Mirage, and Beverly Hills and California Cell Surgical Network Corporation, 
as well as California owners Elliot Lander, MD, and Mark Berman, MD. A companion case was filed in the Southern District of Florida against U.S. Stem Cell Clinic LLC of Sunrise, Florida, U.S. Stem Cell Incorporated, and company officers Kristen Comella and Theodore Gradle. The Justice Department filed the complaints at the request of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. The respective defendants manufacture stromal vascular fraction products from patients' antipoise fat tissue, which the companies then market as stem cell-based treatments for a host of serious conditions and diseases. These include cancer, pulmonary disease, arthritis, stroke, ALS, and multiple sclerosis. In the case of California defendants, and Parkinson's disease, spinal cord injuries, stroke, pulmonary disease, and traumatic brain injury in the case of the Florida defendants. Both sets of defendants allegedly manufacture their products for these conditions without FDA approval and without proof of safety and efficacy. According to authorities, the defendants and their affiliates have used their products on thousands of patients. And in some cases, adverse events that harm patients occurred after treatment with the products. The complaints also allege that the defendants' misbranded products fail to include adequate directions for use, such as dosages, warnings, and side effects. Recent FDA inspections showed that the defendants' products are not manufactured, processed, packed, or held in conformance with current good manufacturing practice, and they are adulterated, therefore, as a matter of law. Dr. Berman responded that the FDA has long known about his clinic's same-day treatments, which he said have shown overwhelmingly positive results. And he disagrees with the mischaracterization that these treatments are dangerous. Doctors Berman and Lander control the operations of about 100 for-profit affiliated clinics, including the California Stem Cell Treatment Center and Cell Surgical, which market the treatments. Berman contends that his treatments are innovative and highly successful. For example, he said of 2,400 patients suffering from knee osteoarthritis, 82% have shown positive results after stem cell therapy. And now our crime report. Troy Carson, the owner of Security Code 3 Incorporated in San Jose, was arrested by Department of Insurance detectives for allegedly underreporting payroll by more than $12 million in an attempt to lower his workers' compensation costs. Victoria Cruz and Lynette Weigand, both 46-year-old from San Jose, as well as 60-year-old Jamie Lugo of La Crescenta, also faced charges. Investigators say the 500-employee company cheated its insurer out of more than $3.2 million. In total, the four are charged with 18 felony counts of workers' compensation insurance premium fraud. The investigation began after irregularities surfaced regarding how the company reported and handled employee injuries, including allegations that employees were dissuaded from reporting on-the-job injuries. Evidence revealed a complex scheme was hatched because the number of employee injuries led an increase in the company's workers' comp premiums. 
Investigators allege Carson formed a new company and then underreported the payroll and number of employees to their insurance company. Evidence also revealed that Amy Lugo, their insurance broker, was allegedly aware of the scheme to create a new company to secure a more favorable workers' compensation rate when he wrote a new policy. In a complex scheme, Carson operated two security companies when in fact they functioned as one company. Chiropractor Michael E. Barry owned and operated the Santa Ana Companies, TriStar Medical Group, and Jojasso Management Company. He pleaded guilty in 2016 to a conspiracy count and admitted that he received illegal kickbacks for referrals to Pacific Hospital of Long Beach. Barry admitted receiving over $158,000 in illegal kickbacks over a nine-month period after referring a dozen patients to Pacific Hospital where they had back surgeries. As a result of his referrals, Pacific Hospital billed insurance carriers about $3.9 million for spinal surgeries. Barry has also been indicted by an Orange County grand jury in 2014 with charges of kickbacks and other offenses involving compounded medications, along with Karim Ahmed, the owner of Landmark Medical, and 13 other named providers. Much of that case was dismissed by the Court of Appeal in 2016. However, some of the charges have been refiled by the Orange County District Attorney, and it is not clear how much of the original indictment will proceed and what defendants will be involved. Despite his conviction, chiropractor Barry filed a case with the California First District Court of Appeal seeking to have the new lien fraud law declared to be unconstitutional so that he could continue to collect his liens. He did not get very far as the Court of Appeal rejected his request and the petition was denied as premature. Getting back to the federal criminal case, he was sentenced on May 4 and was committed to the custody of the Bureau of Prisons for a term of 12 months and one day. He was also ordered to surrender himself on July 9. After release, he will be placed on supervised release for three years. Remarkably, Barry continues to hold a California license as a chiropractor with no record of any disciplinary action taken against him. Claim administrators need to be alert for possible kickback schemes which often are intertwined in complex medical treatment plans. Some kickbacks can be huge and carefully hidden and disguised, such as the flow of cash between the Pacific Hospital of Long Beach and Dr. Philip Sobal, which was disguised as consideration for an annual option to buy his medical practice. Other schemes are more ordinary, for small amounts of money or gratuities by lesser professionals in a bigger organization. This recent indictment is a good example. Three healthcare providers with the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs were indicted on charges they excessively used biotech Mimidex group products on patients after accepting meals, trips, and gratuities from the company. 54-year-old Donna Becker, 53-year-old Dr. Marcella Dolores Farrer and 65-year-old Carol Guardolia were accused of improperly taking thousands of dollars from Mimidex. The three cultivated relationships with Mimidex sales representatives and received benefits from the company in the form of meals, salaries, trips, 
gifts, and other gratuities. Becker was a nurse practitioner and Ferrer a physician, and they had not just received gratuities, but also participated in speaking engagements on Memedek's behalf aimed at increasing sales to VA facilities. The indictment said that Becker and Farrer received nearly $20,000 and $3,300 to promote and make recommendations and requests for orders for the company's skin graft products, Epifix. Becker, Farrer, and Guardiola, a physical therapist, were charged with conspiracy and acts affecting a personal financial interest. Farrer and Becker were also charged with one count each, of bribery of public officials and witnesses. And in regulatory news, the DWC has posted proposed amendments to the medical legal fee schedule to its online forum where members of the public may review and comment on the proposals. The draft regulations include objective standards for the application of complexity factors in the fee schedule and provisions that align the medical legal fee schedule with the statutory scheme for reimbursement of medical legal expenses, as well as the elimination of provisions that refer to medical legal evaluations no longer being performed. And finally, clarification of when billing under the official medical fee schedule can be accomplished in conjunction with billing under the medical legal fee schedule. There are no changes to the amount of the fee schedule payments. Their proposals clarify the use of the complexity factors relating to causation, medical research record review, and apportionment. The factors that indicate the presence of extraordinary circumstances in a medical legal evaluation are more clearly defined, and the language required in a report to define extraordinary circumstances is now explained. For example, medical legal physicians often quote and bill for medical research they claim to have performed as part of the evaluation. They charge for this by the hour. But sometimes they bill for boilerplate research and language that has been used over and over in subsequent reports. This will now be eliminated in the new regulations should they be adopted. Their proposed language does not allow for billing for medical research using sources that have not been cited in any prior medical report authored by the physician in the preceding 12 months in support of a claim citing or relying upon this complexity factor. The DWC Forum on this issue can be found on the DWC Forum's webpage under Current Forums. And in other industry news, within the next 60 days, Walmart and Sam's Club will restrict initial acute opioid prescriptions to no more than seven-day supply with up to a 50 morphine milligram equivalent maximum per day. This policy is in alignment with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's guidelines for opioid use. Where state law fulfills on new acute opioid prescriptions is less than seven days, Walmart and Sam's Club will follow state law. Additionally, as of January 1, 2020, Walmart and Sam's Club will require e-prescriptions for controlled substances. E-prescriptions are proven to be less prone to errors. They cannot be altered or copied and are electronically trackable. 
By the end of August 2018, in states that allow it, the company's pharmacists will have access to the controlled substance tracking tool, NarcsCare. NarcsCare is a tool that helps pharmacists make dispensing decisions and provides pharmacists with the real-time interstate visibility that currently exists. Walmart and Sam's Club will have the opioid reversal medication, naloxone, behind the pharmacy counters of its stores and clubs, and dispensing naloxone upon request were allowed by state law. As an additional step, the company is reinforcing that its pharmacists provide naloxone recommendations for patients who might be at risk for overdose in alignment with the CDC guidelines. The company will conduct additional training and education on opioid stewardship for its pharmacists, including a pain management curriculum. Walmart and Sam's Club also plan to include a kit with opioid prescriptions to destroy leftover opioids at home. Lastly, the company's pharmacists will counsel patients about using the lowest effective dose to help minimize risk. The California Department of Insurance announced the conclusion of an enforcement action against Parker Conrad for his alleged role in licensing compliance violations that occurred at Zenefits during his tenure as CEO. Your People Incorporated doing business as Zenefits FTW Insurance Services was formed in 2012. Zenefits has held a California resident business entity insurance producer license since October 1, 2013. Mr. Conrad was identified in licensing applications submitted by Zenefits as the only designated responsible licensed producer endorsed to transact on behalf of Zenefits. Zenefits provided businesses with a cloud-based software platform to manage human resources, payroll, as well as benefit functions with a focus on health insurance coverage. Zenefits offered its software to users free of charge and earned revenue when customers selected Zenefits to act as their insurance broker of record. As broker of record, Zenefits assisted its customers with the purchase and administration of group health insurance policies. In return, Zenefits earned commissions from insurers. In late 2015, the department learned of alleged violations regarding the transaction of insurance by unlicensed Zenefits employees, as well as the creation of a software macro that enabled employees to circumvent the pre-licensing study requirements. After the filing of an accusation, Mr. Conrad entered into a settlement with the Department of Insurance, resulting in the surrender of his insurance license. Zenefits also agreed to pay a fine of $7 million, with half of the fine suspended if Zenefits had no future insurance code violations. This was one of the largest fines imposed for licensing violations in the history of the Department of Insurance. Mr. Conrad acted as the company's CEO from its inception in 2012 until his resignation in February of 2016. Mr. Conrad also agreed to pay $66,000 in reimbursement costs to the Department of Insurance. Ivan's Index is a data-driven report of current conditions and trends for premium renewal rate change of the most placed commercial lines of business in the insurance industry.
According to the latest index last month, major commercial lines of insurance renewal premiums continued their upward trend, except for workers' compensation, which remains in negative territory for the year. The monthly Ivins Index tracks premium rate renewal changes for the most placed commercial lines of businesses by analyzing 120 million data transactions from 30,000 agencies and 380 insurers and MGAs. The April 2018 highlights include the indication that commercial audio, auto insurance is 4.5% up from 3.8% increase for the year at the end of April. And general liability is now 2.6% up for the year, which is down from 2.24% at the end of April. Commercial property is 2.98% down from 3.04% for the year the month prior. And umbrella insurance is 2.31% up from 2.13% at the end of April. But the good news is workers' compensation is minus 2.93% for the year, down from minus 2.75% the month prior. The index further reiterates the hardening insurance market as insurance premiums rise and insurance make appropriate plans. And with that story, that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And we also publish a daily flash briefing on the Amazon Alexa Echo platform. Search for Workers' Compensation News on the Amazon website. And again, I'm Renee Fols, an attorney with Floyd Scarin Manukian Langevin. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.